Okay. Good morning. Good morning. It's already been said, Happy New Year, but let, my, let me add my greetings to you as well on that. 2016. I had a great Christmas. I had a wonderful New Year, but I am so ready to get back today. So here we are. I want to put an acronym up on the board here and ask you, have any of you ever heard of this? And if you have, shout out if you know. FOMO. F-O-M-O. Anybody know what that stands for? Who said that? Hey, Matha. Fear of missing out. It's hard writing that way. Fear of missing out. This was introduced by a lady called Sherry Turkle, who is the Professor of Social Studies of Science and Technology at MIT, Massachusetts Institution of Technology. And she wrote a great book called, I even like the title, Alone Together. Her expertise, as I say, is in the area of internet communications, social media, that side of things. And she came up with this concept of FOMO, fear of missing out. It goes like this. We are afraid that people are doing more interesting things than we are doing. We're afraid that they're making more friends than we are. We're afraid that they're discovering better ways of getting in shape than we are. We're afraid that they're saving more money than we can. We're afraid that we're missing out on the fun that they're having, of the way they look so glamorous, of using their time. And we keep reading online about what wonderful experiences they are all having without me. And there's this fear of missing out. She says, we become increasingly afraid that our lives are dull and insignificant by comparison. She suggests that the way we cope with this is by putting online pictures and experiences we are having that make our lives look more glamorous than they really are, which in turn makes others experience FOMO. Everyone say FOMO. It's a great acronym, isn't it? FOMO. FOMO is fed by comparison and of course in 21st century living, we have more opportunities for comparison than ever. Here's some good advice from a pastor in the United States called Stephen Furtick. He says, never compare your behind the scenes with someone else's highlight reel. Did you hear that? Never compare your behind the scenes with someone else's highlight reel. Or James Dobson, an older Christian from the United States, said it like this many years ago, the grass often looks greener, but remember, the lawn still needs mowing. Hello? FOMO is really what's behind the very first sin. Did God really say that you're not to eat from this tree? 
He only said that. This is in the book of Genesis, my paraphrase. He only said that because he knows you'll become like him. Fear of missing out. If you look at lots of the sins in the Bible that are recorded for us, and you know, people, lots of people say, I'm glad, I wish I'd lived in Bible times. I'm so glad I didn't, just in case some of my sins got in there for everyone to read forever. And we read some of people's sins. A David with Bathsheba, when he saw her on the roof bathing. FOMO, was he missing out on another woman that he could have? Cain killing Abel. Did his brother have more favor from God because he was pleased with his sacrifice? Fear of missing out. Jacob with an Esau. He had the birthright and it was mine. Am I missing out? And so we could go on and on. So I've been thinking about FOMO a little bit lately. Obviously there's a negative because it feeds through comparison if we're not careful, covetousness, which some say is the original sin. They saw, they ate, they wanted, they desired. Covetousness. If we're not careful, we're always wanting what someone else has. And when you get it, you're still not satisfied. There's always something bigger. We bought a new Hoover over Christmas season. We, we know how to live wild. We bought a Henry was on offer in Asda. I thought this is going to deal with all my dust problems forever. It's no different than the other one we had. Why did we buy a new one? Because someone else, my sister-in-law, had one and we thought it'll help us. We're always comparing. So if we're not careful, there's a covetousness that comes in through FOMO. But maybe, I thought maybe, there is a positive side to FOMO. And maybe the positive side is this. Hear me. There is in the human heart an insatiable desire for more. There is in the human heart an insatiable desire for more. We long for life beyond what we are currently experiencing. So perhaps, handled correctly, FOMO can lead us towards God. Perhaps if we channel this in the right way, that it's not for covetousness, but to fulfill this desire for the more, whatever that more is, perhaps we need to define in a moment, that it could lead us towards God. I think the Bible puts it this way. Hear this. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And I'd like to add, but it's so much fun trying to fathom. So much fun. That part there. He has set eternity in the human heart. You and I were made to connect to something, or more specifically, someone greater than myself. 
You and I were made for something more than we're currently experiencing. There is always more of and in God. Did I hear an amen? I think I did. Ephesians 3. This is how the Apostle Paul, this is the Apostle Paul writing when he's in chains. And he writes this, Ephesians 3 verse 20. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more, how much more? Immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever amen he's able to do immeasurably more than we can imagine or ask or think John Altberg quoting Cheryl Forbes writes this people who live imaginative lives are what if people they respond to ideas and events with what if attitudes they behave in what if ways what if is a big idea as big as God for it is the practice of God and I want to say to us as a church this year that's Pete's artwork from last week I want to say to us, can we please be a what if people? Jesus came preaching this, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Remember that? Bible verse. Repent. He didn't come saying, regret for the kingdom of heaven is near. He said, come repent. Repentance is great news. Repentance is about changing the mind. Repentance deals with our past. It cuts off the past. It doesn't drag the past with us. He didn't come saying, regret for the kingdom of heaven is near. Because if he'd have said regret, we'd have lived constantly with this ball of chain of the past because we're living in regret. I don't know what 2015 brought for you. It was my best year ever. But it's behind me. It's past. And I made some great decisions in 2015, and I made some bum ones. But I, it's past. I don't live in regret. I live for a future. Repentance opens the door to a future. And Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. So Jesus focuses us on the future, a what-if mentality, not an if-only mentality. If only I'd have done that. Forget you if onlys And let's concentrate on the what if. What if? What if is Jesus' invitation to us in 2016? Will you be an if-only person that lives with regret? Or will you be a kingdom of heaven person who lives with an idea of repentance? The past is behind. The new is before us. What if? What if, C3, we could build, and I don't mean by this a building, say something about that in a minute, but what if we, because it can only be done together, we could build a church that breaks the concepts people have of what church is like and what God is like? What if? What if we could build a facility where people say, that's a church building. Wow. We're doing tours 
case any of you want to bring your friends around, there's a charge, of course. I've been doing them over Christmas, even over Christmas and New Year. We had family come to stay with us. I guess we brought them here before we went to King's College Chapel. We came here, we walked around. And my brother-in-law, who's a teacher, he said, wow. And the little girl who's uh, Ruby, who's, I don't know, somewhere between 6 and 15, I'm not sure. She, 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 she went and I said, I didn't know churches were like this. All the ones, they're not Christians, they're not Christians. All the ones I'm in are old. But you've got a new one. And it broke her concept. I could see it. Of what, what if, C3, we could build a building that breaks the concepts of what church should look like and be? Hey, what if? What if this year, 2016, we could raise enough money, all smile at me, we're going to talk about money, really helps. We could raise enough money to finish that floor and the top floor. Why? So as more people can get in this place. You know, I, I know we, we, we had issues when we first moved in, you know, we've got to have the aisles of certain width and all of that, and I understand fire regulations and health and safety. But I just want to pack more people in. <laughs> more people. Because it's about people, isn't it? And I want those other rooms, not so as we can be a bit more comfortable on Sundays, though it would help with kids' church. Got it right. But... <laughs> But that more people can come in and use this facility and be blessed. And that we can use that top floor. One of the things we definitely want to use it for on the top is a room space there where we can hold our prayer gatherings so as we can look out over that, that, that roundabout and pray for those 33,000 people a week that visit Sainsbury's and for those tens of thousands more that go past in their cars and so many of them rubberneck as they go past. Maybe, maybe, what if, what, what, what if, come on, get rid of the mince pies, dream a little. What if we could raise the money in this next year and do those other two floors? What if, what if we could be a people who live such lives that when people look at us, they say, I want what you've got. How about that? But they meet Martin here in the middle, right in the centre. Good place to meet when I'm preaching, sit when I'm preaching. And when they meet Martin, they say, what is it about you? I want what you've got. I had a free session recently at my gym with a new personal trainer. He was going around trying to drum up um, business by putting into a, a hat different sessions he could he could do you know and you could lift it out and he'd give you a free session so uh, I put it in first and I think I, I got bum and something and he said oh no we better not do that one and try again and I got a free session to do my upper body workout so I thought, I'm going to take it went for this first session halfway through I'm out of breath lifting the weights you know show me how to do it and he says to me what do you do <laughs> so Normally, I try and be a bit clever. I just, I just, just to talk was, was I, I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor of a church. And, and he looked at me. And he said, a pastor? He said, I had you down as an accountant. <laughs> now, I just want to apologize to my accountancy friends in the church. I was, I was gutted. I thought, I've got to look better than that. 
I've got to look happier than an accountant. I've never met a happy accountant. Sorry, guys, you know. I don't, I, oh, at least it wasn't a funeral undertaker or something like that. But I was gutted. I wanted him to know as I lifted those weights. You're a man of God. And he thought as I was an accountant. What if people could meet us and they could see Christ in us? What if we could run a leadership academy where we train people in leadership skills to go into business and commerce and arts and church so as they're leaders who are the head and not the tail? What if we could see the sick healed and the lost found week in, week out? Week in, week out. What if through our community outreach activities, the disenfranchised, and the marginalized of society could find acceptance and love and hope? What if we could build a church where the weak are made strong, where the lost are found, where the hurting are healed, where the poor are rich? What if we could build a church that makes a statement? What if we could have hundreds of connect groups across the region? I don't care how far people drive in order to come to this church. If there's life here, people, I've already had one letter about being careful about sheep stealing. We have no intention to steal any sheep from any other congregation. But I'll tell you this, if there's no grass for them to feed there, they'll find grass somewhere if they're hungry. So all we've got to do is keep growing the grass, guys. Keep growing the grass because people come for food. And keep it healthy and strong. And if they have to drive for that, don't sacrifice. I, I once heard the, the leader, John Coles, of uh, the network... New Wine, as he was then, say this in a, in a meeting. And I thought it was very brave of him to say it in the context he was in, in a rural context, teaching to leaders in rural churches. He said, don't sacrifice on the altar of staying local the faith of your children. If there are no other children there, drive as far as you need to go to give them a healthy, happy experience of vibrant church life. And I agree with him. It's worth the drive to a church that's alive. What if we could have hundreds of connect groups all over the region? What if we could have campuses of C3 across the region, UK and the world? Do you know there is another network called C3? And every, everywhere, it keeps happening. It happened just this morning. Well, I spoke to someone, they're in their auditorium here. But they came from San Diego. They said, oh, there's a C3 church in San Diego. And I said, I know, it's not part of us. It's not the same. But others don't know that. I had one lady come one, one morning, she said, I went to your C3 church in, in uh, Wellington, New Zealand last week, and it was great, it was just like this. Well, I'm fed up now of saying, no, it's not us. I just said, yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> it's just like this. It's, same, it's part of the same network, it's called the Body of Christ. So we might have to change our name when we go global. It's Cambridge Community Church, unless we're just going to go to all the places called Cambridge across the world. But what if... We could build and plant churches in our region, city, and world. What if our income could go up so much this year that we can build into our budget all that we need to have by way of centre manager, by way of community liaison officers, by way of strengthening the children and youth work, by way of having outreach into the student world? What if our income could go up such, to such a level 
that we're able to do those things. Oh, some good news for you, by the way. The last quarter, last year, it went up when we moved in here. Didn't go down, didn't, with all our big offerings, the, the money's gone up. But I've just got to tell you this, it's not enough. And I'll be telling you that always, because the vision is always going to be bigger than any money we can get. So when a millionaire many years ago said, I don't know whether I can give my tithe, I said, get over yourself. Because then whether you'll use it right, of course we'll use it right. And we believe in giving first to the local church. And if you don't trust your local church, then you shouldn't be there, perhaps. You need to be able to put it into good soil to trust. But what if we've got the problem where we've got too much money? Have you ever been to a church like that? No, neither have I. I can't imagine it. Because the vision's so large. But maybe we could make some decisions like, what about not only all those things I just said, and maybe we could go to the city council and say, we see what you're doing with the refugees and your budget's very limited. There's 10 grand. Do that, will that help? How about reversing it? Well, we give to them. We don't like all the city council do. No, but we like some of the stuff that they do and they like some of the stuff we do and they gave us some money. But they don't like all that we do. Imagine, imagine doing that. What if? Some of you think he's lost it now. Definitely lost it now. I'm only saying this because the real reason is FOMO exists because we were made for more. We were made for greater things. And we must be a what-if people. The real deep reason FOMO exists is because we were made for more and we are missing out. Only the more isn't more money to spend on ourselves. The more isn't more holidays. The more isn't more stuff. The more isn't more experiences that I can put on social media that make me look good. In fact, I'll tell you this for a fact. This is proven. The more you pursue the more for yourself, the less satisfied you'll be. And you don't have to be a believer in Jesus Christ to know that. The more you pursue the more just to feed your own needs and wants, the less happy you'll be. The only way to true happiness is to live for a purpose bigger than yourself. The more I pursue the more to spend on myself, the less satisfied I will become. But I know this. The more I pursue Jesus and his kingdom, the greater satisfaction I find you will find in life. The more I and you pursue Jesus and his kingdom, the greater satisfaction I find in life. Cambridge, I often do this. I came in here on, over this Christmas break on my own. First time when there hasn't been someone else in the building. I stood on this platform, I, I sang a song. Some of you will know, uh, goes, let your glory fall in this room. Let it go forth from here to the nations. Let your fragrance rest in this place as we gather to see your face. Sang it a few times. Sounded great. To me, and Jesus, I hear, loved it. And then I just prophesied over Cambridge. I knew what I was going to be speaking on. 
And I just prophesied, you are missing out, Cambridge. If you don't know Jesus and his kingdom, you are missing out. Come to Jesus, because he is the water of life. He'll satisfy you first. Come to Jesus, because he is the bread of heaven that will feed you and sustain you. Come to Jesus in your death and your misery, because he is the resurrection and the life. Come to Jesus because if you're confused in where your direction is because He is the way, the truth and the life. Come to Jesus. You're lost and wandering. He's the good shepherd who will lead you. You're in darkness. Come to Jesus. He is the light of the world. And I just prophesied it and I prophesy it again. You are missing out if you don't know Jesus. You are missing out if you don't know Jesus. Because it's all about Him. And we're not next week, we're, we're doing a Vision Sunday next week where I'm just going to lay out some of the things for the year that help us in our strategy not to be missed Sunday. But after that, we start a series that's just called I Am. And it's all about Jesus. And we're starting off, new year, new place, new series, all about Jesus. I am the bread of life. I am the water of life. I am. We're just going to focus because ultimately... You're missing out if you don't know Jesus. So my question to you is, will you pray with me and go this year to help people find Jesus and experience his kingdom? Will you go? There's been a fantastic survey done. You've all got one of these on your seats. The trouble we had getting this delivered to this venue was unbelievable. <laughs> Went to all different places, came to our home in the end. We want you to take that. I want you to read it. And even this week, in your connect groups to pray, we've put some outline notes here about way to pray. Take them with you. Or if you're not in a connect group, get with two or three people and use this booklet and these prayer points in this leaflet to pray. Or if, you go, if you're a husband and wife, maybe use these or your family to pray. Because it's all about talking Jesus. And I want to show you a little clip that gives some of the highlights of the results of this survey that was done by the Church of England, the Evangelical Alliance and Hope about evangelical Christians and their witness and how it's perceived in the nation here at this snapshot of time. Just take a listen and look at this. Oh, has it ever had a conversation with a practicing Christian about Jesus? Answers to questions like these could really help us share the most amazing news. The love of God for all of us through Jesus. So we asked. And here's what people, your friends and neighbours said. 57% said they're a Christian. 9% are active Christians. They regularly go to church, pray, and read the Bible. Useful starting place. But what do they actually know about Jesus? 21% think he's God, while 30% think he's a spiritual leader or prophet. But only 60% think he was an actual, real, historical person. Our job here is clear. Let's make sure everyone gets to hear that Jesus actually lived and walked on earth and that he claimed he was God. How are we going to do this? Well. 67% said they know one of us, an active follower of Jesus. And we're most likely to be their family and friends. But have we ever spoken to them about Jesus? 58% of those who know us have had a conversation about Jesus with us. 
Now that's a great start. But what do they think about Jesus after that conversation? One in five are open to knowing and experiencing more about him. That's one in five of your friends and family members, the people you know really well, who are waiting for you to talk about Jesus with them. And we found out that talking to someone who knows Jesus was really important in helping 36% of us decide to follow Jesus for ourselves. So let's talk Jesus. Let's talk Jesus. This is a fascinating survey. I haven't got time to go into all of it. That's why I've given you the booklet to go and read. But I want to do two things as we draw in. I want to pray a prayer that's a corporate prayer over all of us that takes the second part of this prayer leaflet here, which is talking about Jesus. And then after that, I'm going to ask all of us, all of us, to come forward this morning for prayer. I know this might be outside of your comfort zone. I'm going to say, ask all, if you, particularly if you're a guest and you think that's way outside my comfort zone, if you decide not to, we're not going to force anyone, we're not going to chase you. But I find constantly people think, I'm not ready to talk about Jesus. The Bible is full of not ready people. Moses wasn't ready to lead the people of Israel. Abraham wasn't ready to have an heir. The disciples weren't ready to go and be the hope of the world once Jesus had ascended. And on and on and on and on, I can tell you, lots of people, that what could be spoken over their lives, Gideon, Ruth, Esther, not ready. You don't have to be ready. You just have to be willing. You'll never be ready. Until Jesus returns, you won't be ready. But there is a power from on high that equips us so in our weakness we can be strong. Acts 1 verse 8 says this, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. Being a witness is not just about talking, it's about being. It's about living the Christian life. And I'm going to ask all of us at the beginning of this year to come forward. And there's a whole prayer team here. And they are here with oil to anoint you and to pray that you are adequate by the anointing of the Spirit to be a witness for Jesus. Last year, for them of you who were around, I got this horn we got it from a medieval fur in Lincoln. And I filled it with oil. This is a little bit more like the Bible idea of anointing than what we're going to do. But we'll live with a British idea. And I filled this with oil. And I asked for a representative, if you remember. There's no oil in it this year. From the congregation to come forward. And we had some volunteers. And I poured it over them. All of it. Every last drop. So as it dripped from them. And then I just made the statement you this person's representing you you are anointed and this morning as we pray i just want to say as we sing that beautiful song we sang before about the holy spirit's power and pray you are anointed receive the power of the holy spirit to be a witness 
Bible also talks about oil being put on people for healing in a couple of places. Actually, once to the disciples, once to elders of the church to anoint with oil. If you're sick in your body physically today, then when you come forward later, as well as that prayer for witness, just say to the person, would you pray for my health? And in Jesus' name, the, the prayers don't have to be long, by the way. Long prayers don't make for necessarily good prayers. What makes for a good prayer is a prayer to a great big God. You only need an incy-wincy, tiny, weeny, little bit of faith. But it's where you put that seed of faith. And we put it in a great big God. So not a long prayer, but a prayer of faith. The stewards will help as you come forward. Would you stand to your feet? And I'm going to pray this first prayer. It's a prayer about talking about Jesus. And then I'm going to ask us to come forward as the stewards lead us and the prayer team come out. If you can do that now, guys, get ready with the oil and we'll anoint you. If you don't want to come, there's no forcing. But we do want to say we want this gift of power from on high to be available to all. Let's pray this first. I'm going to pray it. Just bow your heads, close your eyes. Jesus, you are Lord of every part of our lives. Our friends and family need your deep love, grace and forgiveness. We pray that we will be effective instruments for you and that the good news of Jesus will be revealed to tens of thousands of people across every age group and background. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.